thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my friend Jess Shin and Newly Kim. That's right. <laughs> hey, Jess, how are you? Hi, Blair. It's so good to see you. Yes, you too. It's、um, right before we started recording, I was just saying it's been a minute, even though, like, with pandemic and stuff, I, I don't even know the last time we saw each other in person. I feel like it was at like a random gathering or something like that. Sure. I, I don't even recall which one, but it's been so long. <laughs> well, regardless, thank you so much for giving me your time today to tell me more about your life and、um, what, what your job is. So, without、uh, further ado, Jess, what is it that you do? Yeah, so right now I'm a regional sales manager for a traffic technology company called Applied Information. Okay, so like I have no idea what that is. <laughs> yep, no, that's totally fine. I didn't, I was the same. Like I didn't even know this industry existed before I started at this company. I mean, when you're driving, you don't really think about what makes the lights work. You just drive and trust that, you know, things will happen. and You notice when things aren't working, but you know, I never thought about like the technology and everything that it takes infrastructure wise to you know, make traffic、um, a good experience. And so I'm, I'm definitely still learning. Like I said, I didn't know this industry existed either. I just started、um, in this industry October two years ago. So、okay. still super, super new. And I was in fashion before that. So definitely huge learning curve. I mean, I cannot wait to hear more of that story in a minute. But so, can you repeat your title one more time for me? Yeah. So, I'm the regional sales manager、um, for a traffic technology company called Applied Information. Okay. So, you were saying, you know, you don't think about like how the traffic lights turn a different color and things like that. Right.、Um, so, I mean, like, literally, that's what it is. Like, the、so、company you work for. So, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many avenues and like different, like I said, like so many things that have to happen for traffic to work well. We, we are not in the business of necessarily like the day to day traffic. It's called SAT, signal phase and timing. Okay.、Um, traffic <laughs> is a lot of acronyms. I feel like every industry is a lot of acronyms, but this one is truly a lot of acronyms.、Um, but we, we do a lot of things, but we have three main product lines, and I'll just go through them. Super quickly as I can. And the first is like school beacons, Blair. I know you have kids. So, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, when school's in session during pickup and drop off, there's like this flashing yellow light, like when the speed is different.、Yes. And so, we sell technology that goes kind of in a cabinet in those signs that make them turn off and on automatically. Um, and so people can also like remotely schedule them. So when there's like holidays or fall break, like someone's not having to like go out there and manually change that, which is the case in some parts of the country still. Like they literally at the start of every day and at the end of every day are manually going and turning those on and off.、Um, so we kind of get rid of that and allow people to manage their school system, their fl- school flasher system from our cloud based、um, webpage.、Um, so that's one line. Um, I would say that's like the most simple technology that we sell.、Um, and then the second one is kind of the one that I'm most passionate about. It's called preemption.、Um, but basically, we put 
a box of technology in a fire vehicle or emergency service vehicle or a police car. And then I never noticed these before, but at, at every intersection, there's a silver traffic cabinet and a lot of things go in that silver box. <laughs> but we sell an additional box that can go in there that if the siren lights and sirens are going and that vehicle has our box in the car and our, that intersection has our box, it'll preempt green lights um, so that it prevents like those crazy traffic jams or you know when like the, the siren's coming but you don't know like which direction it's coming from. It's like so anxiety driving. Um, it causes actually a ton of accidents and deaths for firefighters and civilians. And so our technology brings um, at every intersection the safely to a stop in the direction of the fire vehicle will get green lights. So that's like another thing. And then the third, like newest kind of craziest, I guess, is connected vehicles. And so we do that through like multiple avenues and I like won't go it into like all the detail, but we have an app that you can download. And if the city has our stuff, our technology deployed, then like the app will give you like kind of signal phase and timing and emergency vehicle messages um, so that you know like what's going on. So um, the exa perfect example is like the city of Marietta. So the city of Marietta and Georgia is like completely deployed with all of our technology. So if you're driving a car and you have our app pulled up, um, Let's say you are about to, you're like speeding in a school zone, you will get a bop bop speeding in a school zone alert. If there's an emergency vehicle, like you hear sirens, you'll get an alert on your phone that says emergency vehicle approaching from behind. Um, and then there's other things like um, get ready for green. So like if you're at a stoplight, you know, you're like, if you're a mom, you're like reaching back to take care of your kids or, you know, you're on your phone or doing your makeup it'll like tell you like, get ready for green. So the light's about to turn green, get ready to like go. What? So those are, yeah, yeah. And so again, like that's, the city has to have our stuff deployed and um, we're, our, we're having record breaking years um, this year and last year. So it's definitely getting deployed in more and more places, but that's kind of like the three major product lines that my company sells. Um, and I manage our distribution. So we don't sell direct to cities and agencies. Okay. Um, we sell through distribution partners. So I help manage those distribution partners. Holy smokes. I am like, yeah. um, like a little bit overwhelmed in the sense of like, man, that is crazy that you do this, first of yeah. all. And then secondly, like, man, to think about that type of technology existing and i and again, i i'm pretty sure my regular listeners are probably like blair you say this every single time but truly like i don't think about some of these jobs at all like it's totally right, right. not even in my purview and um the the thing about the fire trucks and the emergency vehicles is so crazy i mean honestly i've seen it on tv like you know like yeah. they like I've seen some, like, they, like, flip a switch. Is that a thing? Right. Uh-huh. Yep. So, okay. like, there's different ways of kind of activating preemption. Um, but for us, it's, like, kind of the wires tied to the wire that, like, turns their lights and sirens on. I see. Um, and so that kind of activates. It's, and it's GPS-based. So, like, as it approaches, it's kind of 
like it's not like it's turning all of them green it's sure, like kind of sure. as it approaches it like then preempts the signals in front of it that is insane <laughs> yeah so this time it was t- crazy the first time i experienced it i was like this is like a video game this is crazy that's insane so like oh so you had to kind of experience it firsthand so that you would know right what it is right Right. Yeah. And I still like there's still because we're a technology company, I feel like anyone that's in the technology space, like everything's always changing. Like, I think I finally understand something. And then like we've done we've like done a new software update or we're deploying a new technology. I'm like, okay, love this. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Okay, so um, I mean, it seems as though like you feel passionate about what you do. I don't know, because it's just the yeah. way that you're talking about it. I feel like you've really taken ownership of whatever it is that you're managing. Yeah, right I now. mean, firstly, I'm in sales, so I have to, right? Like, if I'm yes. in sales and I don't sound like this, then I probably would not be good at my job. <laughs> um, but I think, like I kind of mentioned, like, my favorite thing that we do or the thing I'm most passionate about, when I first got approached about entering this industry, I was like, what? Like, what, what do you mean? Like... I I don't think that I can do that every day. But when I really learned like the benefits of preemption and I got to like really engage with fire chiefs and like understand like how crucial 10 seconds is. I remember I was at like a city of Marietta. It was like my first month at this company and they took me to the city of Marietta. It was like a big council event Um, and they had just, you know they were kind of doing their press release for their whole like smart city system. And the mayor, he did something so clever. I don't know if it was the mayor or probably the person that writes his speeches, but um, they did a study, the fire department, and they were averaging 60 seconds um, time saved every trip. So like every response, like they were shaving 60 seconds off their response time. And the mayor had us, he had like a clock up there and he had us hold our breath for 60 seconds. And he was like kind of narrating through those 60 seconds while we're holding our breath. He was like, imagine you're waiting for your loved one to get an ambulance and you're just, this is how long it's taking. And that, I think that just really, really impacted me of like, wow, like I'm not just selling things just to sell things. Like this is infrastructure that can really save people's lives, especially when it comes to drug overdose, like even 10 seconds is like between life and death. And um, talk, getting to talk to fire chiefs and for them, like understanding like, wow, that's like way less stress on me as a battalion chief or as a chief, because every time, you know, my drivers are going through an intersection, they're putting their lives at risk and civilians lives at risk because not everyone like knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, it really takes stress off of me. And so I think getting to really understand the impacts of the infrastructure changes helped me to become really passionate about something that I didn't even know existed prior to. And it might not be as like glamorous as, you know, fashion, but it still is like really like easy to be passionate about it because I know that it's real and I can be genuine about the life-saving impacts and not feel like I have to fluff or like um, be super salesy about it. No, yeah. I mean, when you were talking about the mayor's speech just now, I got the chills because it's like right. that is so true. And I can't believe that 60 seconds can be shaved off just through this piece of technology. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like response was- time, I feel like is everything, especially in those emergency situations. That's crazy. Um, So, right. you know, you were saying that 
um, for that third piece, that third um, kind of, what, what did you call them? Connected vehicles. Yeah. Yes, connected vehicles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like you said, the technology has to be kind of applied in, in the city that you're in. So like right. applied information, like the company that you work for, like, is it, I don't know how to ask this. Like, are there a lot of companies like this or... Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, like, there are different lines of um, products that do preemption. I think what really kind of sets apart what we do, especially in the connected vehicle space, is, like, without getting into the weeds of it, like, there's a lot of, like, when it comes to the FCC, like, there's a lot of, like, politics involved. So, like, people can't Mm -hmm. agree on, like, what frequency of communications they want to use. They keep fighting over allocations. So it's kind of been at a standstill for a really long time. There was just recently a ruling for the first time in a long time. um, Because there's like this big push behind infrastructure and transportation now. Um, But for us, it's like, okay, while y'all are arguing over which network we're going to use, we're going to deploy an everyday app that the person that drives a Tesla and has a 1940s pickup truck can have access to the same technology from something everybody already owns, which is a smartphone. Um, so that's kind of the president of my company's approach, which was is very different in our industry compared to other people. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it's, and I, it might be because I'm just naive to this type of industry, but I'm like, wow, that's mind blowing for me. Like just to be able to think so innovatively, like, hey, like, okay, then we'll figure it out ourselves. And Right. Make it safer for everybody else. But, um, man, that's awesome. Okay, so can you take us through a typical day for you? Like, are you working from home yeah. these days or? Yeah, so definitely majority I work remote. Um, I, I go in kind of right now as needed um, when it comes to presentations and stuff. So during the pandemic, actually, we had to make a huge shift because a lot of our industry previously was trade shows, which obviously not happening during a pandemic. Um, And a lot of like in-person meetings. So like I mentioned before, like it's not like we go directly to cities. We sell through distribution partners and kind of they they have like allocated territories. Okay. Um, So in more like terms that I guess like people use more often, like if we're a manufacturer, we have like, wholesale distribution that goes and, you know, talks to the cities and counties and departments of transportation. I see. Um, and, and so we had to really pivot. And so what we did is we created our second, we have like a lab and we made that kind of um, a studio space. So we had to, I, I kind of had to lead an initiative of really doing like weekly webinars because we're not going to these trade shows. We started doing like our presentations to the cities instead of us going there and meeting our partners there. We would like set up all these Zoom calls. So a lot of my days on Zoom, whether that's internal calls or with our partners or presenting to cities um, with our partners, it's a Mm. lot of Zoom and a lot of phone calls. Um, But my day-to-day is different every day, which is part of, I think, the fun in it. Um, It's a zoo every day. Um, <laughs> but it, I think where I thrive is I like when things work. I like when things work well, and I like to make things work. So um, that can be anything ranging from making sure a shipment got configured correctly and 
delivering tracking to my partner. Um, it could be having internal sales meetings to talk about how we can improve our processes. And then it can also be, yeah, like very customer outward facing. I drive to kind of our studio and do a presentation to the county or a fire chief with our partner on our technology. Wow, that's um, really, I just, what came to mind as you were talking about, especially pivoting to a different type of yeah. platform and stuff during such a difficult time uh, of 2020 was, yeah. how did you plan your wedding through all that? <laughs> that's what came to mind. Oh my gosh. I really, that was such a stretching year. And like, I didn't plan a wedding. I planned four different versions of a wedding. Yes, like, it was I know. <laughs> oh, man. But that was more of a personal question. But man. No. Uh, but, I mean, that is a part. I think it's a part of it. You know, like I, I had to stay very organized and mm. on top of my stuff. And that's that's a pivotal part of what I do as a sales manager. Sure. I'm responsible at the end of the day for being the communication gap in all forms between our partners and my executive team. And so from communicating like what we think we're going to sell like two quarters in advance so that my, you know, our production can be planned by our manufacturing team to, you know, if we've developed a new configuration tool or, or something and helping, you know, our partners and our end users understand what that is. It's a lot of communicating right, is what right. I do day to day. Which I feel like does suit you. The little I do know about you um, is like you are very good at communicating. You're very ex like extroverted. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, I think I used to be way more extroverted. Okay. I don't know if it's being married to Abe, who's <laughs> my husband, who's like 99% extroverted. So in comparison, I feel like I'm introverted. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't disagree I with you in that. Right. Sure. But I definitely think I'm a highly like relational person, like okay. personal yes. like, skills, um, building relationships, being able to, you know, really kind of tailor my communication style depending on who mm. I'm speaking with. I think that is something I really do enjoy for sure. Mm. So do you definitely feel like in this job, it is a strength for you? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, okay. Like I want to, you have to take me back now, you know, to the beginning. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm again, the little I do know about you. I'm like, how in the world did you end up? Right. I mean, how far back do we want to go? Um, okay. I mean, can you take me back to maybe like senior year of high school? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so that was, I, I kind of told Blair before we hopped on, I was like, are you sure you want me on this? I was like, I did not have a conventional path. <laughs> so going along with that. Um, I actually skipped my junior year of high school. When people hear that, they think I'm like some kind of genius or something. It's, I mean, I, I was smart and I applied myself but I definitely was not a genius I just honestly wanted to get out of high school and so I was able to kind of talk to my guidance counselor and really figure out how to do my credits so I could get out of high school so because I graduated early um I was originally going to go to art school in New York that was kind of my passion that's uh, people that know me like know that like I just love visual things mm -hmm. so whether that's like you know interior decorating or fashion or even like organizing my pantry like visual things is something that I really enjoy and so I always thought I would kind of end up in that industry um 
but I actually ended up going to Hawaii for YWAM instead. Um, and I thought I was just going to do that kind of for six months, um, do my DTS. And um, I feel like, you know, I don't want to get into like too much of that, but that, that time period went from six months to almost five years very quickly. Okay. So um, for those so, of you that don't know what YWAM is right. or DTS, um, could you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. So YWAM is Youth with a Mission. It's like, I think the second largest Christian organization and um, it's DTS is kind of their first required, I guess, program. Um, and it's usually like three months lecture phase where every week they have different speakers um, and then three months, two to three months like outreach. And so my DTS was unique because it was really focused. It was called APAC, so Asian Pacific. So it was really tailored to outreach in Asia and the South Pacific Islands. And so my my DTS experience was unique because, yes, it was in Hawaii, but it was very much more like culturally integrated with the islands. And so we had Hawaiian class once a week. Um, I learned how to hula. It was, I think when I hear about other DTSs, that was kind of something that was unique, I guess, about my experience. Oh, I mean, that sounds really fun. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was awesome. I mean, I felt so at home. Like, I mean, people have always told me I don't look Korean. And when I went there, I was like, oh, is this where I've been supposed to be my whole life? Um, But I mean, kind of along with that. So I lived in the islands for maybe like three and a half years total. I moved to New Zealand um, when I was 18. And we were kind of recommissioning an existing base that that had kind of fallen off. So um, that was also different because it wasn't like we were like doing Sunday Bible study every day or something like that, or missions in the typical um, sense. It was a lot Mm -hmm. of community outreach. Like we did after afternoon, like programs for like the local um, Maori and like South Pacific Islander community. I lived in what was considered the hood um, in Mangare. It's like outside of Auckland, but I mean, to me, it wasn't the hood because New Zealand is stunning. And I was like, (laughs) this does not feel like the hood. Um, but yeah. And then I, I led teams, I led outreach teams to like, um, BG Tahiti, like three months at a time. And people are like, Oh, your, your missionary life was so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it definitely pushed me because I was so young, I was 18 and I was leading teams of people that were like all older than me. Um, and you know, there was times where we were on like remote islands that didn't have running water. Um, so it definitely, I think that's where I really developed, like kind of bringing it back full circle, I guess, like my, my strength in communication and interpersonal skills and like emotional intelligence and stuff like Mm. that. Um, but I, I was really blessed and like looking back, I'm so grateful I was surrounded by kind of leaders, but ultimately they're more than leaders. They like became my family um, of Islanders and Maoris and really just people that learned how to bring community to the forefront um, in, a, in a real like genuine way. Um, and I, I think that developed a lot of my identity um, as well. I mean, that is such an experience that I'm like a little bit envious of because it's like yeah. but at the same time you know I feel you when people are like oh like 
must have been so difficult, you know, living on I this know. beautiful island. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like at such a young age, it is extremely challenging you all to like send people to different places in an organized fashion. Um, right. I know that firsthand just serving at my own church and um, – I think it's incredible that, I mean, I don't know the DTS structure or YWAM structure very well, but I mean, just to have an opportunity at such a young age, I think you have to grow up really quickly, right? Right. Yeah. I didn't have, have an option basically. I mean, I think I I grew up quickly anyways. I feel like most like first, first, like, what is that called? Oldest sibling. You kind of have to because, like, we were all kind of latchkey kids, you know? So, like, I got my sister off the bus. People always ask me, like, how did you learn how to cook so well? I was like, well, it was two options. I was like, we <laughs> were either going to be hungry or I was going to cook something. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I really, there was definitely like pain points of having to lead so young, but I think more than anything, it helped develop me in a way that I wouldn't have been able to if I was just, you know, in Atlanta yeah, at 18. For sure. Okay, so I have to ask, like, um, were your parents extremely supportive during this time or did they have any opinions um, about it? Yeah, I think my mom, you know, just to kind of give a little bit of background, my mom came here when she was 14. She went to high school here and college here. Um, we don't have, you know, any kind of language barrier. And she's she's definitely more Americanized in her thinking. Like when my friends meet her, they're like, oh, she's like more 1.5. She's not like full first gen. Um, my dad is definitely, I mean, my dad was young too. He was 18 when he came, um, but he definitely has strong first-gen Korean man energy in some senses. And in other senses, you know, he he really is not the like stoic Korean male figure that I guess most people grow up with. So um, my mom was the one that kind of pushed me. She She's such an amazing, like I always say, if I could just be like a quarter of the woman she is, I've succeeded mm-hmm. in life because she's just really amazing. Um, but she was like, you should go. Like, I don't think she expected me to be gone for five years. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. So how did it yeah. even extend that long? Yeah, it just kind of, it happened. Yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. And the last year and a half, I was actually stateside at our base in Kansas City and then took a team to the Philippines. And that was kind of my last leg of like my YWAM slash missionary, I guess, like chapter. Um, So that's how it kind of ended. But yeah, it just, I don't know, it just happens. I didn't realize five years goes by so quickly. Um, But most of it was in the islands, which I really, really enjoyed. Like I was ready to live there forever. I thought I was going to, I always joke about this, but I was, I thought I was going to marry an Islander, have like a last name that was 12 syllables long, (laughs) you know, live on an island somewhere. Well, (laughs) if you, since you thought that, you know, that last trip to the Philippines, like did something happen that you were kind of like, all right, it's time to go back home or. Um, I think, getting hospitalized definitely was traumatic. Why were you Uh, hospitalized? Yeah. So the closest answer I've gotten, like after I came back and did some tests, like they said, I had an amoeba, which makes sense because I was not being probably as careful as you should. What's an amoeba? What is that? It's like a (laughs) It's gross. It's like a living organism in your bloodstream. Oh, no. Like kind of, it's like a type of parasite, stronger. <laughs> oh, God. And so I got really, really sick. And like 
the city we were staying in doesn't have like the best hospital infrastructure. So my extended family in Korea actually ended up flying me to Korea because I just like, I wasn't getting any better. And I was not just physically at like a breaking point, I think mentally, emotionally, I, I, I was really burnt out. And so they kind of flew me out to Korea and I came back to the Philippines and I finished that term um, with my um, team and then came back to Kansas City. And I was already kind of feeling like, okay, maybe it's time for me to go home, but it's scary to go home because I don't have anything. I don't really have roots right. at home. You know, I've right. been gone for so long. Um, I didn't go to college. So like, what, what am I going to do for work? Mm-hmm. Um, so those thoughts were definitely like prevalent in my mind, but just through like a series of different events, I ended up um, staying back in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, after five years. I mean, yeah, I, you know, in some ways it's not, it's not the same. I'm not comparing my life to yours because it's not the same. But, you know, like even me, I went to school at UC Irvine for two and a half years. And then I came back and I finished my schooling at University of Georgia. However, you know, I thought coming back, everything would be just be the same, you know, as I left. Right. But then, you know, two and a half years was a long time for me to be away. I had changed. Everyone else had changed. And it was quite... such an outer body experience. Yes. And it was like a really big transition. I, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I I knew I wasn't expecting what I came home to. Um, It was very lonely, you know? Super, super lonely. Yeah. So what was it like for you? Was it similar? I mean, it was awful. I was also going through a breakup, so that was, like, not helpful to the situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I, I I grieved a lot. Like, my first year at home, I really grieved, like, you know, obviously my breakup, but obviously, you know, my whole community was built kind of within this YWAM thing. And that's not a bad or good thing. I'm just stating, like, mm-hmm. that's what it was. And mm-hmm. to not have that here in Atlanta – I, I will say, I again, like I had some friends that I had stayed connected with and EJ and Les, um, I think you've had EJ on, but you know, I, I actually moved in with them because they're amazing mm. and they're like my older brother and sister slash mom and dad, depending yes. on what's they going on amazing. with me emotionally. Yes. <laughs> and that, so that was really helpful and really kind of helped me um, through that period, but it was hard. It, it you know, coming back home, even small things, I think, like, culturally, I had adopted so many, like, m- mentalities that, like, are so foreign to, like, everyday life here. Um, ultimately, I think it's good that I came back because, you know, I was able to see outside of my very small network and my small framework mm-hmm. of what I thought life was. Um, but it was hard. It was, it was really hard. Yeah, I, I didn't get out of bed most days. I think the first six months. Oh man. So, um, so you said that moving in with EJ and Les, like that was helpful. Um, but yeah. like, what kind of kickstarted? I know that you were really like, um, go moving forward in the fashion industry from what I yeah. remember and what I recall. So, but, um, yeah. I I kind of grew up in that industry. Um, my extended family they're in like the wholesale side, so I you know I, you know we all grew up working in our family business and mine just happened to be fashion related um and so I worked there for a little bit and it just like I was like this isn't like it's not working well and so my only option was to like go get a retail job because I didn't have a college degree like and that's your foot into so many places I had never ever in my life created a resume you know like I was 21 never had a resume 
because of just like how, you know, I had spent my years prior to that. And so I remember like sitting at Barnes and Nobles, nervous out of my mind, like Googling how to write a resume. Um, And I ended up, um, I knew I wanted to get into styling because I've just always been like that person in my friend group, even like with my limited wardrobe, when we would like be on the mission field, I would be like the girl like showing you know, my team members have to like tie their sarong in like five different ways. <laughs> um, and so at Fabric, there was like, they they call their retail, like, you know, people that work with store retail workers, per, um, personal stylists instead of just retail workers. And so that was like super appealing to me. And so I applied and um, one of my best friends now, she was actually just a matron of honor um, in my wedding, but she was a manager at the forum location at the time. Mm. And so when we met, she like instantly interviewed me and like I had the job and that's how I started at Fabric kind of on the retail side. And I really, I can really say that I worked from the bottom up. So I started as like a $9 an hour stylist <laughs> working like closing shifts. And um, I will say Fabric's um, unique in the sense that you do, you do develop a clientele, even though you're in retail, like it, it is about personal things. So I had, you know, clients that came to see me personally and, you know, because you're in sales, like corporate can see like how you're doing in sales. And so I think that's how I started getting recognized was just because like my sales and reoccurring customers and stuff like that. Um, and then I became the manager as Liz kind of moved up to corporate. I became the manager of the forum location and, you know, performed pretty well. And so um, there was an opportunity for me to join the corporate team. Uh, They kind of created a new role and it was um, called customer experience manager because basically they were like, this is, I always struggle with this, but I think it's something we need to a break as an Asian woman it's really weird to like talk about yourself and your accomplishments yeah. but okay. we need to break that so no yes I please I want to know it. everything and all the accomplishments because <gasps> let's that's why you're here that's why you're here I feel For like so, no, yeah. yeah so they basically were like we just want Jess's at all 45 of our locations so this is your job to kind of create and replicate whatever you're doing with your clients across all 42 of our franchises. Amazing. So, Amazing. Um, I mean, that was insane. Um, okay, wait, so pause, I- pause, pause. Okay, I need to know, like, because, okay, I have one question before we continue on with this story about yeah. the customer experience. Um, so at any point, did were you like, I should go to college or no? I mean, I did one semester when I first moved back at Perimeter just to like do it. Okay. Um, and you know, like I I did fine. Like I could have <laughs> kept going, and I yeah, I got I got good grades, but I just like this is not. Especially once I decided that I wanted to pursue fashion, I think that's when I was like, okay, I don't need to waste this time and money mm. for me if I'm going to be in this industry. And not to say if you're in fashion, you don't need to go to college, just my circumstance personally and kind of assessing like, I was like, I'm not, I'm not like 18 year old. I need to like create my path. And so if I have limited time of energy, I want to pour it into being like very career driven um, was how I thought about it at the time. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, and then all that to say though, I mean, we're going to talk about how it is that you, um, helped fabric in creating the customer experience but 
I mean, I would say that you're a pretty motivated person. Like, it's not like you're not an average soul. I believe, <laughs> like, you know, to be um, able my, to my my friend, yeah, my friends and my husband, they're like just a high capacity. Person. Okay, okay, because like, I mean, this is not normal. I feel, but I also do feel it is important to like. Like what you mentioned, right? Like let's break this barrier of Asian Americans right. like talking about themselves because um like it is doable like even though you're high capacity, I feel like it's important to share this part of your story because people need to know that it's possible. Like it's possible. For sure. You just gotta put the work in. <laughs> I mean, when people exactly when people ask me, they're like, Oh, you didn't go to college, like you seem like you're doing really well for yourself, like I mean, what do you I think hate I that. Do? I hate yeah, that. I'm like, well, I was like, it's really not one size fits all. So I can't like guarantee you anything, but I will guarantee you if you choose not to go to college, you will have to work two times harder than the person that went to college sure. to prove yourself. That's yeah. that is fact. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so customer experience. They asked you to like yeah. lead the charge here. Yep. Yep. And um, I just kind of like revamped existing programs. I went um, when we were opening new stores, new locations, I was kind of there all week on site, like, you know, walking the manager and the new owner through all processes. Um, And it, you know, like, how could we do marketing to cater to our customers? And, you know, it's not just me, like I had a team and interns and really great partners and a, lo- a lot of the women that own fabrics they like this is their lifelong dream so they're like just as passionate about mm-hmm. creating those experiences but I think the biggest kind of my goal when I was in that role was like when you're in sales it's really easy to get wrapped up in hitting numbers because that's reality that's business and that's stuff you can't pay your employees you can't turn the lights on if you're not making money um But I think when that is like your starting point, that's when sales feels like super pushy. You know, like we've all experienced it. You like walk into your store and people are breathing down your neck and you're like, this is not pleasure for me at all. Please go away. And maybe because I'm that kind of shopper where I'm like, I put my headphones in, I keep my sunglasses on, like nobody talks to me. I'm (laughs) in my zone. I, I, I was more like, okay, like start an actual real conversation. Like stop asking people how they're doing. Like, why? Why don't you compliment something that they're wearing? Or if they say that, you know, they're shopping for something, don't be like, okay, and then walk away. Like, ask them questions about the daughter that's graduating. Where is she going to college? You know, and people want to be helped. Yes. um, If they feel like it's coming from a good place. And so my whole goal in the beginning was to really bring us back. Um, to kind of the heart of why fabric was kind of started, uh, which was to always have style with that like heart piece of making women feel beautiful. And so that was in everything. I did a lot of things and tasks and programs and we rolled out a lot of new systems and I did a POS binder and all of these things. But I think if I had to kind of summarize in one thing, it would be we were trying to bring back that heart piece of the styling aspect in our retail spaces. Man, so like that relational piece for you was really key and I feel like in your success, honestly. Like- yeah, yeah. And even what made me successful as a manager, you know, I think it was the ability to tailor. And so, you know, getting to sell, I mean, 
share those like skill sets also with other managers Mm. of, you know, like what motivates this person might not motivate this person. So you have to figure out as the team lead, like, what am I going to do to try to get behind them um, in a different way while still kind of having that unified approach? Yeah. And I mean, even listening to you talk about those types of strategies and people's skills, it's like, I mean, I would, I mean, is it far-fetched for me to say that I feel like you probably gained a lot of those skills on the mission field in those five years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think on the mission field and then specifically from like my my leaders and my I mean, it's weird to call them my leaders because they're so much more to me than that. They're like my uncles and aunties Mm. is basically what I call them and my aunties. Um, But watching them and getting to really observe and see the power of what happens when you get when you truly like see people and meet people where they're at, I think that's what taught me how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's so cool. So, but then you're like doing great at fabric. Why switch careers? Why change? Yeah. I think, I think it was, it's again, like always a a lot of things. Um, I I really lacked work-life balance. Um, Mm. I think that's kind of a common theme in that industry. Um, And I also felt like I was getting to a place where it was not as genuine as when I first started. Like that's a big like core value for me, like Mm. realness. And like, I I don't like feeling like I'm a fraud in any way of what I'm trying to sell. Mm. And it's not that, you know, it would, there was just some structural things that I like didn't, I would just wasn't like fully on board with. And I was like, man, I like, feel a little guilty and not all the way right about like selling this like dream of a thing. And that's not bashing anyone in particular. It is just like, it's so easy to happen. Um, And it, it really made me feel like, okay, I don't think this is what I need to be doing forever. Mm. I wasn't necessarily looking to get out of fashion, but you know, from the connections I did have in the fashion industry, it sounded like more of the same, no matter what company I went to. Interesting, interesting. So how how is it that you got introduced to this kind of technology company? Yeah, so it's crazy. But it was actually one of my old clients from when I um, managed at the forum. She is like this kick ass boss lady. And she was, I remember like when she would come into my styling sessions, she'd always have like her headphones and she'd be like taking calls in the dressing room. Um, and, but like just killing it, like saying terms I had never heard in my life. <laughs> um, and she, I was like, what do you, what do you do? And she was like, oh, I, you know, I sell traffic technology. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and so she, and, um, my other, like her friend who also became my client and actually ended up working at Fabric with me and then left to kind of join that space. We were having lunch and she was like, so, you know, I heard you're looking to maybe, you know, pursue something else. Like, how do you feel about interviewing for this traffic um, company? And I was like, what? no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was really intimidated. Like, mm. again, like I know we've talked about this a lot and kind of harped on it, but not having a degree, like that's a really big insecurity when I'm entering like new professional spaces, because I'm so scared that like, people are going to make assumptions about who I am, my intelligence level or anything 
just based on that one life decision. And mm. so I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, and then the other kind of like blow was like, she was like, you'll have to come on as an assistant. And um, she was like, that's what's available right now. Um, you'll probably have to take a pay cut. Um, but if you're serious, like this is the type of company where if they see your gifts and talents and see your work ethic, like you will grow very quickly and you will grow out of that position, I think in three months. But that was so scary, like yeah. to be like, wait, so you're telling me I'm going to an industry I've never heard of. I'm not going to know anything. And you want me to take a pay cut and be somebody's <laughs> assistant? I was like, this is not <laughs> sound like a good choice. Um, but, but through a lot of conversations and again, you know, relationships and ultimately trust in those two relationships I had um, with two of my friends um, who are now my coworkers, like. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do, it. I don't know. There was something in my gut and I just, I, I did it. And they, it, it, they were right. Like I was in that role probably two and a half months. And then, you know, they promoted me to like a internal sales role. And then I got promoted to regional sales or yeah, regional sales manager of like central. And then now, um, just recently now I manage our two biggest distribution partners that is so it amazing. was it's been crazy yeah <laughs> man I mean and you know you say it very humbly and lightly but I know that a lot of work and time and effort and energy goes into what I'm sure is a very challenging job and so yeah. congratulations Jess like I just think oh, it's amazing um, I even as I'm like talking, I'm like, this is so awkward. I know, about I, I, I know. I was like, this is so okay. But then I know it's a little bit awkward, but at the same time, you know, the people that I have on here, I truly want to celebrate because I feel like they, yeah. you guys are not celebrated. You know, as Asian Americans, we're no. not celebrating. Like it's almost like sometimes that. it's the standard, but it's why? Yeah. Why is it the standard? You know what I mean? I know. Um, it's like you have to thrive. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, and I think. Young people listening also should know that if if you love something, you know, and you put the work in, you know, you can go extremely far. Whether you, ha- right. I'm not saying don't go to college. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying yeah, there are other options. Like there are other right. roads to take. And um, I'm curious, like, you know, when you interviewed for this new job, like, yeah. what was the interview like? Oh, it was very interesting. I will say my company is, you know, we're a corporation, but we're not the conventional corporation either. Um, and so I think that that was something that was super appealing um, about the company culture. And it really was, they were like, so what do you know about traffic? And I mean, <laughs> I was like nothing. I was like, I, re- I really, I really know nothing. And they would throw terms at me. They're like, do you know what preemption is? I'm like, I don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I really, I was like, I can regurgitate to you what's on your website because I've looked at that and studied that. But if you really want me to say that I have an adequate understanding of what it is that y'all sell, the answer is I don't know. <laughs> um, so that was really honest. But, you know, what I what I was confident on and I think what I was able to communicate over is I'm a fast learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm resourceful. <laughs> I was like, and I, I'm passionate about bl- bringing clarity into situations. 
so that it increases efficiency for people. I was like, that is the one thing mm. I can really clearly state that I am good at and um, want to bring to like the organization. And I think also the fact that I had background in wholesale um, and retail and, you know, being that communication between a lot of different organizations and tiers. I think that was, you know, something that was also appealing to them. Yeah. But I mean, I started out doing truly admin work. Like Mm -hmm. it was so humbling. Like I went back to booking flights, setting up meetings on calendar. (laughs) Man, that must have Um, been really difficult. Yeah, it was truly, I mean, I cried a lot. There were so many, I was like, I was like, I've messed up. I was like, I've made the worst decision in my life. I've screwed up my future. Mm. Um, it was really hard in the beginning. Like, it was not glamorous. Mm. Um, but again, I think it was the relational aspect. Like, I call her name's Emily, but and we work so closely together now. Um, but there were so many days after work where I would be like, Emily, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Like, this is not. And she was like, I know. Just hold on. We're two, you know, two more months. She's like, just hold on. You'll see. Like, and I was like, nope. And, you know, slowly but surely, it really did turn the corner and it went fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once it did. Yeah. Oh, man. But I guess, you know, I feel like you're, thank God for your friend who continued to encourage you, though. And also, yeah. but like, so, I mean, during that first two months, though, and you, you said it was really difficult and challenging, were you just, like hanging on to like what your friend was saying you just kind of trusted her yeah, or yeah I think her word and you know I tried to pray but I if I'm being completely honest like even when I would pray I was just so like confused and scared that like I don't even know if I was really you know hearing yeah. God clearly yeah. I'm sure he was still reassuring me but like if I'm being brutally honest like that was not a part of my life where I'm like oh God told me everything's gonna be fine no, like, yeah, no, I hear you. It's, Especially it's, in like it's so not, much uncertainty, right? Right, right. And um, I would, the biggest advice I would tell people is please get a mentor. Get a mentor that you can trust and really like lean on. And uh, I had Emily, who's like my coworker, but the um, her name's Lisa. She's super incredible. When I came, when I joined the corporate team at Fabric, she was the CMO and then CEO for a little bit and then she ended up leaving um, for another opportunity but she is like my mentor slash older sister like the one that sat with me and helped me do my resume when I was interviewing for traffic like Mm. coached me like I talked to her I would say like twice a week on the phone sometimes just crying Um, and she she was really there to reassure me and you know cast vision for me when I couldn't have the vision for myself yeah. Um, so that would be like a major thing that I would really encourage, whether you go to college, whatever, it doesn't matter, like whatever your life, I think having trustworthy mentors in your life is really valuable. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. I mean, you know, um, but like, it's kind of hard to find mentors sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you just think- ask like, oh, hey, can you help me or what? What do you well, suggest? yeah, and I think I think that's where like I had access to so many I think different kinds of women because of like the industry I was in mm-hmm. and the caliber of women that were on the corporate team. I think I had really you know 
I was really lucky in that way. I got to interact with some incredible women. And so that's where, you know, obviously I connected with Lisa. But yeah, it really boils down to asking. Mm. Like I walked into her office one day and I was like, I need help. I was like, I know, you know, I want out and I need you to help me with my resume because I don't know what to do. Wow. Um, wow. And it's not like I even officially asked her, like, Lisa, will you be my mentor? Like, we never had that conversation. <laughs> and she would probably be like, I'm not your mentor. I'm just your friend. Um, but in my eyes, she's, you know, and so, I, yeah, I don't know if that word is intimidating, but just good counsel. Like, yeah. And that could be your mom. That could be your <laughs> sister. No, like, you know, my mom's my mentor in a different way. Um, or it could just be your girlfriends, right? Just safe space. I think maybe that's a better way to put it. Just having safe space and good, like sounding, um, walls for when you can't have that vision for your own life is, yeah. is crucial. Yeah, that's really good. Well, um, Jess, we talked about a lot of the stuff that you really love about your job and what you're passionate about, but I'm curious, is there anything that you dislike about managing? Yeah, tons. <laughs> <laughs> well, just pick one. Like the most. Yeah, no, I more than more than dislike. I think something that I want, maybe I could highlight as that I really struggled with was um, I work in a really male dominated industry. Okay, and it, it's um, older white males mm. is typically who who kind of you know have been in this industry, and I was so intimidated. And they also were like, "Who are you?" Like even when I became the sales manager, they were like okay and I would tell you anything why <laughs> and even if they didn't directly say that with their words yeah it came off that way in their actions or non-actions mm-hmm. or um them going above me or through me um and so that 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 was really hard mm. and I still I don't struggle with it as much because I've developed again such amazing relationships with these guys that I would never speak to otherwise right right. um and I've gotten to know who they are you know beyond just being my sales rep right um but I think that that's like the most innate kind of internal struggle is like oh I have to prove myself I have to prove myself Mm. okay great you got that PO but that's not good enough on to the next like you and I'm always fighting that battle within of like I want to succeed and I want to work hard because that's just who I am. And it, and in a sense that like brings me joy, like mm-hmm. working hard and running in five different directions that weirdly is satisfying to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But also it's, it's difficult to not always carry that chip on my shoulder of like, no, you're going to know that I'm valuable and you're going to know that I'm useful yeah. <laughs> um, and that I bring something to the table. Um, I think another thing that is, hard is when people begin to depend on you because you have done that role of being the bridge I'm like somebody please just pick up the phone I'm like pick up the phone yourself (laughs) and you can do this yes Um, yes but so I'm kind of like learning that and as my team grows like now I like um gained a sales assistant um but she's in South Africa and so that's like a um she's great but like you know learning how to like give up ownership and like things that I'm used to kind of micromanaging and entrusting that to somebody else to take care of even if it means it won't be done exactly the way that I wanted Mm -hmm. um I think that's like 
just things that I'm kind of currently working through. I don't know if that answers your questions of things I don't enjoy, but that's like things that I, I, I'm like kind of actively working through right now in my career. No, it definitely answers my question. And I find it really interesting that first one that you mentioned about just um, your role as an Asian American woman in this industry. And I, you're not the first person that's been on to kind of share that challenge. Um, yeah. Being in this tech world and having to work with not just males, but like, you know, like an older generation of males too. Right. That mm-hmm. And then like, I think if you, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but then you add this whole, like, we live in the South aspect. Oh yeah. Too. Yeah, for sure. And it just kind of, I mean, I on. manage, I manage Texas and the Southeast. Right. So, I mean, so. I would imagine, right. But, um, so like, I guess you, you did give me some solutions to how you kind of are starting to overcome that because you've built relationships yeah. with people. But um, in the in the forefront of it, in like in the beginning, like if there were other women listening to this right now, would you give them any advice on how to kind of, other than just pressing through, like is there any practical yeah. advice? Ugh, I, don't, I don't know if there's practical advice, but I think um, two things that were helpful were um again like having safe space to kind of like talk things through with like when I had passive aggressive you know comments thrown at me in the zoom like asking my other you know asking Emily to stay on I'm like okay did you catch that am I crazy (laughs) am I am I the only one that heard that or am I great you know and just feeling a little bit validated Mm. I know that sounds like you don't need anyone's validation but no No. like sometimes when you're feeling really vulnerable and really like you start questioning yourself you just need someone to tell you're not crazy right so that's helpful um and then I think as you for me I feel like as I grew more confident about product knowledge and knowing what I bring to the table that need to like really prove myself it starts to kind of like go away a little bit and developing like really, really, really close um, working relationships like with people on my team. So like I work with, we call them sales engineers and like that is my person. And so I know if I'm on a Zoom call and I don't know the technical answer to something like Freddie's got my back and he's going to step in for me. And so that fear of like, oh my God, I'm not going to have the right answer. Like that kind of also goes away because I know that I can kind of, I don't have to do it all on my own. I can rely on the technical person on my team to provide that insight that I may not be able to give. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's good. Oh man. So many layers. It's hard though. (laughs) It's, It's, I mean, it's definitely, there's not, there's not, one one thing that gets rid of all of that yeah because, yeah for sure. yeah like there's there is lots of layers I will say though like as much as it's difficult I managed southeast and Texas and all these guys and blah 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 but I think also like it's given me confidence in a different way because now when I walk into a room full of white people I don't shrink I don't feel like oh my god like right what what are they you know like before I think, and fabric was kind of helpful. I think the first step of like sure. confidence and being in non-Asian like settings um, and YWAM's pretty like, there's like lots of different ethnicities and stuff too, but you know, it's different when you're in a professional setting yes. or like yes. in a blazer walking into a room and you're like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, 
but that I think that has been a benefit is like being around them and like just getting to know them like on a personal level as well like that's been helpful and sometimes like not for the people that I have relationships with now like if they say something that makes me uncomfortable like there's times where I feel like I have enough relationship to tell them and be like hey you know just FYI didn't love that yeah (laughs) that's Um, awesome though that's awesome I do I do feel like you know you have this personality that allows this kind of transparency (laughs) with other people but but that's really cool well Jess I really appreciate all your vulnerability today and sharing your story before we end our time together I always ask people like you gave a lot of advice I feel like but is there anything that I missed out on or was there any last piece of advice that you'd want to give somebody that's maybe even thinking about like oh this might be an interesting field to go into and oh actually I guess I should ask you um you know I know you didn't get a college degree but maybe somebody thinking about this field would there is there do you know if there's like something to study I mean there's so yeah there's so many different avenues it kind of depends like what side of it you want to be on so like I said like we have um I guess I could describe kind of like really briefly, like the different teams. So we have like application engineers. So those are the people that like um, develop like the code that makes Mm. our stuff work, like not I. And so um, like software engineering or application engineering, like um, IT stuff, like so studying um, VPNs and like Mm. really that the infrastructure part of it that's virtual like you can really you know focus in on that and build that out because I think as technology grows the need for that is only going to increase um so I think engineering or IT development um if you want to be I feel like the thing with sales is if you get good at sales and building relationships and whether you get a degree in business and marketing or whatever it is, like that's something that is so universal and you really can, like you're not limited to an industry, Mm. um, which is kind of like what I did, right? Like I kind of totally switched industries, but I think, you know, when you, when you get good at business management and stuff like that, like that's something you kind of study. And I feel like that's what people do. Like when they're unsure, they just get like a business degree. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's always a great one, I feel like. Um, and then, the, yeah, it, I mean, really, we utilize in our industry every skill set. So, like, one of my team members, she, the government puts out, like, proposals. And, like, each um, company that can, wants to, like, basically win that money, mm-hmm. win that grant, has to write a proposal. And so she's like the strongest writer ever. And she puts together like these 40 page proposals that kind of plead our case of why our solution is the best. So even like, you know, an English major or right, like that is so crucial and can be used. And so I don't know, I think that would be kind of maybe my advice is like, when it comes to technology, don't feel like you have to be like the typical stereotype of what it means to work in tech. Like I would have never said like Abe says, I can't even make like technology in our house work. Like, so he's Abe is like her baffled. Husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's baffled that I work for a technology company every day. He's like, you can't even make Chromecast work. I don't understand. I'm like, um, so um, yeah, I think that would be it. Like tech technology is growing and there's so many aspects to it. So like really be open and 
just build relationships because that's like the connections you make in life that really is like what opens doors to so many things not just professional I think in other places but if we're talking yes. careers I think building relationships and connections you never know what those are going to take you to in the next chapter yeah for sure for sure Man, Jess, thank you so much again for your time today and just sharing with me about your life and your job. Um, I learned so much. I gained so much. Um, I'm wondering if somebody is interested in learning more, would you be okay with me connecting you with them? Yeah, of course. Awesome. So guys, you heard it here. Um, if you want to learn more about what Jess does or this industry or even just maybe her life, you know, I'm sure she has a lot to share. Um, feel free to reach out to me through social media. You can DM me or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Um, all right, guys, until next time. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye.